Working Interferences is intended for mature audiences. Since the hosts never grew up, someone needs to be the adult. Welcome to Working Interferences with Josh and Lance, the dental advice podcast for the average dentist. I think it's time to blow this thing, get everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, it's jam. Here is Josh and Lance. Bros, what is up? Welcome to the Working Interferences Podcast. I am your host, Lance Timmerman, and joining me this week for a very special uh, episode is my daughter, Bianca. Bianca, why don't you say hi to everybody? Hello. This is the weirdest thing in the entire world. All right. So at one point you had mentioned, uh, as you were uh, mocking my podcast, saying, uh, what the hell are you doing? You then followed up with, when can I be on? This is true. (laughs) This is fact. All right. So it's not too uh, unusual for me to to have you on, uh, although briefly, for for a show. So we have a couple listeners, maybe three, that uh, are subscribers. So what what do you want them to know? (laughs) He doesn't talk like this in real life. I don't. What, what do I talk like? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I talk like this. This is me. This is my voice. You don't talk like that. You, you sound like a robot right now. Really? All right. Um, this is yeah, yeah, Robot Lance coming to you live. Well, recorded live. Um, really? I don't speak talk like this. No. Uh, I'd be curious to know uh, how I really, no, really okay. do. Okay, so this is... So this is like you talking right now, uh, normal. You know, haha, dentistry. But then you <laughs> start the microphone. You're like, hello, everybody. And then all of a sudden you're like a sports announcer. Well, you have to start off that way because the people, there's the intro music that I would have then uh, shifted over and, and uh, attenuated down to intro. And normally that's actually Josh's role. And I'm, I'm the sidekick that just kind of ch- chimes in. I, I'm the Andy Richter to his Conan O'Brien. <laughs> I'm the what? Robin. Okay, I could be Robin uh, with less spandex. Ugh, don't know. All right, I'm not wearing spandex. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm not wearing anything. Wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, okay, all right, that's uh, anything unusual. We're going to go with that. So uh, this week, uh, those that weren't paying attention, Josh is not with us. Josh, uh, I think he's at the Seattle Study Club, and uh, we were supposed to get together to record a little bit right before he took off, and we just uh, never were able to, to, to cross paths and hook up and, and speak for a few minutes. But this episode this week is actually his appearance when uh, he lectured at the Voices of Dentistry conference that was the third week weekend in January, and traditionally that's the way it is going to be. It's always the third weekend in January. It's usually the, the dead weekend before the Super Bowl. So that uh, there's less conflict uh, for people to have football get in the way. So Josh was able to get it recorded. And so this week is pretty much Josh's episode, although he's not speaking at this very moment. But uh, th- this, is, this is his episode. So um, Bianca, what else do you want people to, to know? Um, I swear I'm not this awkward in real life. <laughs> Right, right. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 
So without further ado, Josh, live at Voices of Dentistry. This next speaker is um, honestly the only speaker I can say who's speaking here this weekend that I have shared a bed with. And um, I would not admit that if there wasn't proof of it happening. So let me tell you what's going on. The weirdest thing about this photograph is what you can't see. And that's Alan Mead standing right here in a loincloth taking this picture. He wasn't even staying at that hotel. Yes, Josh and I were sharing a room. The second thing I want to point out, this is just the sheet. That is just the sheet, that peak you see right there. If you've never seen that on a sheet, you need to up your sheet game and get some 1,200-count Egyptian cotton thread sheets. That's just what expensive sheets do, okay? The third thing that I want to point out is it would appear that one of us, namely Josh, is relaxing in some post-couple bliss at this point. As though the other guy, me, had just popped up from under the sheets or something. From a service or perhaps performing a job of some sort. And I just want to make sure you understand that is not what's happening here. That is not what is happening here. That is what's happening here. That is absolutely what is happening here. So ladies and gentlemen, please help me give a warm Voices of Dentistry welcome to my ex-boyfriend, my best friend, and my favorite speaker, Joshua Austin. Pink Gators, my Detroit players, Tim's from my Hoogans in Brooklyn, them right, if they ain't right, Biggie Dan and I, pop up in school since they was under rules, never lose, never choose true, Bruce Cruz too, some, sorry, that's the closest I've ever come to saying the N-word on stage, I'm sorry. In case anyone's wondering, boxer briefs. But no one has ever wondered what kind of underwear I'm wearing. I'd take it as a compliment, honestly. No one has ever showed that much wonder and curiosity about me. But you ask the wrong person, and next thing you know, everyone's panties are in a bunch. That might not be a good choice of words in that one. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just ignore what I just said. You remember that like mind eraser thing from Men in Black? Let's use that. Um, but seriously, uh, at some point in August, um, I made a joke about what kind of underwear a certain uh, dental influencer uh, may have been wearing uh, on a private Facebook group. And uh, she got a hold of that and ran with it. And she took it to her group and they ran with it. Wow! Um, and then a company who sponsored a lot of my lectures got a hold of it, uh, and they issued a statement. And that statement said, quote, we don't condone bigotry. I was like, bruh, that's not bigotry. It's sexist, but it's not bigotry. Get it right. When it all happened, I like bailed off of Facebook. I was just gone. 
deactivated. I cut that toxic thing out of my life. It's been great. I missed all the baby Yoda memes. Missed all the New Year's resolution posts. New Year, new me! Cool, bro. Same story last year, huh? But it does get a little weird when I'm, not, when I'm out talking to a group of dentists about digital stuff, internet marketing and whatnot, and the subject of Facebook comes up. Because I have to admit, I'm not on it. I don't have an account. But luckily for me, Netflix bailed me out. That's right, Netflix. Netflix saved me. They gave me an out. No, they didn't give me my own comedy special. I only wish. Um, they came out with this documentary called The Greatest Hack. Have you guys seen this, The Greatest Hack? It's about all that nasty, devious stuff that Zuckerberg does with all your information. So I got to use it as an out. It came out a week before I dared say anything against the queen, right? So I had to pretend I'm my mother. And I had to feign outrage over something I saw on television. What? Facebook? Oh, I'm not on that. I saw something on television about what they do with your data. Like show you the spring line from Sperry Topsiders. Crazy. But it sounds better than the truth. Nah, I'm not on Facebook. Because I mildly poked fun at a Jamaican lady. A Jamaican lady? Are you a bobsled coach? Are you a reggae music critic? Did you call Miss Cleo? The truth is, like, 97% of the dentists in this country have no idea that there's a dental side to social media. But for us, we're in the trenches every day. It's our community. And it's probably not good for us. I'm somewhat known for using online reviews to build my practice. But that topic's not so cut and dry. It's a mixed bag. There's good, there's bad. But we can't afford to ignore our practice's online reputation. It's really important. Um, I'm going to use a cringe-worthy word to describe myself. I'm going to use the F word. I heard it got used a lot yesterday. I'm a foodie. Anybody here a foodie? Yeah? All right, good. I'm a foodie. Um, I like to chase Michelin stars. I don't know if that's a, a game that you play. I'm up to 147 Michelin stars. Uh, and a couple years ago, I got a chance to uh, get reservations at the French Laundry, which if you've never been there before, you don't know, the French Laundry is generally ranked in the top one, two, or three of restaurants in the country. It's absolutely amazing. Thomas Keller is the executive chef. He is America's greatest living chef. James Beard, award winner, absolutely spectacular. Uh, it's in Napa, California, technically Yountville, which is right by Napa. The setting is gorgeous. The team is Johnny on the spot with everything. If my team worked like the team at the French Laundry, I'd have no worries in, in life. We were at a table of 10, and every single one of us had our own waiter. So every plate of food touched the table at the same time. Every drop of water was poured at the same time. Every drop of wine was poured at the same time. Yes, that means we had 10 bottles of wine open. It's Napa! It's what you do in Napa! Nine courses, all paired with perfect wines. Now, I'm sure the food here at the Hilton um, will live up to this food pornography that you're seeing here. This is the seventh course, the Wagyu, literally the greatest thing I've ever put in my mouth in my entire life. Absolutely breathtaking. I think about it when I go to bed at night. <laughs> now, as part of the experience at the French Laundry, we got to take a tour at the kitchen in the French Laundry. Now, this photo was taken at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. Did anybody here work in restaurants in dental school? Yeah, a few people. Is there a busier time in a restaurant than between 7 and 8 o'clock on a Saturday night? 
That's it. Everyone's in the weeds between 7 and 8 on a Saturday night. This is the kitchen in the French Laundry at 8 o'clock on a Saturday night. And I look at this picture, and I'm amazed at how neat and clean everything is. And I think about what my operatory looks like after I prep two crowns. Hell, I think about what my operatory looks like after I place four sealants, and it looks like a freaking tornado blew through the room. And this place looks like Mr. Clean is the maitre d'. But I want you to ignore how neat the kitchen is and look above the vent hood above that island. And what do you see? Five stars. Every single team member at the French Laundry has to look at this when they walk into the kitchen. Five stars to remind them what their goal is. Now, we as dentists are guilty of having trophy walls, right? Walls devoted to how amazing we are, all the plaques, awards we've won, certificate we got from the implant placement course we took at a four-hour Holiday Inn Express. Ready to do an all-on-four now, huh? Forget implant pathways. We don't need to do that. We went to a Holiday Inn Express. Here's my trophy wall. Embarrassingly, I have more than one. Oh, we're still going. We're not done yet. Here we go. I want to show you the trophy wall at the French Laundry. There's one thing on the wall. Thomas Keller is the Michael Jordan of chefs in America, and he's won a million awards and has a thousand plaques, and the only one on the wall is the only one that counts, the three Michelin stars. That's the highest rating a chef can get. Now, Keller said in an interview after he got his third star, this is the greatest and worst day of my life. It's the greatest day of his life because he reached the peak of his pinnacle of his profession and his career. Why is it the worst day of his life? There's no place else to go but down. And losing a Michelin star is the worst day of a chef's life. Now, Whipple. Where's Whipple? You went to Notre Dame, huh? When the football players at Notre Dame walk out of the locker room and onto the field, they all touch a sign above the door. What does that sign say? Play like a champion today. today. It's been there since Newt Rockney, and every Notre Dame football player has touched that before every game. This is the French laundry version of play like a champion today. If you can't read it, it's the definition of finesse, refinement and delicacy of performance, execution, or artisanship. How apt is that? Not just in fine dining, but what we do. In dentistry, if Frank Spear came to your office and watched you prep a Emacs crown on number three and said that your finish line demonstrated finesse, that's the third Michelin star. It doesn't get any better than that. If Stanley Malamed came to your office and you administered an inferior alveolar block on him and he said, wow, your technique really demonstrated finesse, unlike Detola's father, That's the third Michelin star. I love this word. Every single team member at the French Laundry must walk under this sign to leave the kitchen to go to the dining room. Now, on one of the other walls in the kitchen, it has carved in white marble relief a quote from Keller himself. I love the chutzpah that it takes to put a quote from yourself in your own kitchen. I wish I had a quarter of that in me. I know it's hard to read, so I have it typed out here. When you acknowledge, as you must, that there's no such thing as perfect food, only the idea of it, then the real purpose of striving towards perfection becomes clear. To make people happy. That is what cooking is all about. Now, replace cooking with dentistry. When you realize that there is no such thing as perfect dentistry, just the pursuit of it, then you realize what we're here to do. 
to make our patients happy. Now, after that experience, went back to the hotel. And also, I use that word experience strategically. That was not a meal. That was not dinner. That was an experience. After that experience, I went back to the hotel, and I was thinking about it so much, I had to see what other people thought about it. So I pulled up their Yelp, and sure enough, they're not five stars. The French Laundry has 2,100 reviews at four and a half stars. Don't get me wrong. They're crushing it. They got a ton of five-star reviews. But guess what they also have a bunch of? One-star reviews. So I went digging through their one-star reviews, and I found this one from this guy named Luke. And oftentimes when I read a review, I like to read it uh, in the voice that I imagine the patient to have. If I could give this place zero stars, I would. I was so disappointed by my experience here that I didn't want to waste more than two minutes reviewing it. Luke, listen, I don't know how fast you type, brother, but it certainly seems to me like you've invested more than two minutes into this. I don't know how hard you've been hitting that Mavis Beacon typing tutor, but it certainly seems like you're lying in the first sentence of this review. So, you know, hey, stage is set. We went here for my wife's birthday with two friends. Where to begin? How about with the $1,600 tab and unbelievably snobby, crappy service? We were so appalled by the rude, snobby customers and lame wait staff that we had them stop our nine-course meal at the sixth course and walked out. You missed the Wagyu, you idiot! That was the seventh course! <laughs> if I would have been sitting in the table next to him, I would have been like, bro, bring that right over here. <laughs> Nothing was comped as we decided to leave early and nobody apologized to us for our experience. I was so mad I sent a letter describing our experience by FedEx. Hold on a second. Time out. 30-second time out. Huddle up. Huddle up. Huddle up, team. I thought you said you didn't want to spend more than two minutes reviewing this. Now you're typing out a letter. You're finding Thomas Keller's address. You're driving to the FedEx Kinko store to ship this to him. Which one is it? Are you in or are you out? I need to know now. And I got no response. I haven't included a copy of the $1,600 receipt with the letter. You would think a manager or another one of his lame lackeys would at least send a letter back. I should have included a picture of my middle finger for him to posterize. We will never step foot into one of his restaurants again, and I will continue my anti-Keller crusade everywhere I go. Crusade? What are you, Charlemagne? Never crusade against anything. It only makes you look crazy. Now, one of my favorite features of Yelp is that you can see someone's other reviews. So I checked out Luke's other reviews, and I found this gym. A five-star review for Taco Bell! (laughs) Love this Taco Bell. The staff is very friendly and outgoing and goes out of the way to make delicious food for you. I thoroughly enjoyed my five cheesy gordita crunches on top of my Mexican pizza and spicy tostada. I highly recommend this Taco Bell. Oh, that's the Taco Bell! That must be the good one. I've yet to find the good Taco Bell. When I saw this, I literally, like, you know how Spear teaches to get centric relation? Like, you use a leaf gauge, and that sort of deprograms the elevator muscles so that the condyle slides back in centric relation. I found an even better method. Look at this. 
because my elevator muscles just completely relaxed and I fell into centric relation just immediately. And it would have been so easy to manipulate me back and get a CR bite. It would have been crazy. So this is now my method that I use in my operatory to get CRs. I just show patients this and it's like, boom, oh, there we go. Bite reg done. Um, how is this even possible? How is it that Luke and I share 99% of our genetic material? How are we both in kingdom animalia? Phylum mammalia. That's about as deep as I can go. Family, genus, species, I think somewhere in there. High school biology. I mean, I thought about this for weeks. I could not figure this guy out. Do you remember in Silence of the Lambs when Clarice Starling like, got obsessed with Hannibal Lecter and had to like, get into the mind of this madman and figure out what works? That became me and Luke. I would argue that Hannibal Lecter is a better human being than this guy. I mean... At least Hannibal Lecter had taste, right? Like when he was frying up the brain, like pan searing it with little shallots and a little olive oil, like that's at least better taste than Taco Bell. Can we agree on that? I know that's a hot take that cannibalism is better than Taco Bell, but I stand by that hot take, I promise. <clears throat> and I thought about it for weeks, and I finally figured it out. It came down to one thing, expectations. When you go to the French Laundry, what do you expect? Perfection. The dining experience of a lifetime. Any little detail becomes magnified because of your expectations. Thomas Keller set the bar so high that he has to be perfect to meet your expectations. What are your expectations when you go to Taco Bell? A norovirus-free dining experience would be high on my list. If I'm not in that, that pose, that norovirus pose, for three hours afterwards... Five stars, right? Great experience. Love this Taco Bell, right? What do you think your patients' expectations are of, your, of their first visit with you? I'll tell you what most of my patients' their expectations are. I walk in the room. Hey, Josh Austin, nice to meet you. How's it going? I hate you. I hate all of you. I hate all of your existence. I hate being here. I've been dreading this for a month. Their expectations are through the floor. All we have to do is be better than horrible and we exceed their expectations. The bar for us to clear is comically low. (laughs) Be better than horrible. They have a great experience. They tell their family. They tell their friends. They tell the world with a five-star review. We're set up for success, much better than Thomas Keller is. Now, that's generally good news, right? Most people aren't expecting the world when it comes to their dental visit, but that doesn't mean that we sometimes don't get slammed You don't have to be a knuckle-dragging dullard with a belt-driven handpiece and a dirty cuspidor to get a bad review. It can happen to anybody. These are my dogs, Graham and Fig, more beloved and uh, more popular than me by a long shot. Um, When you don't have kids, you get professional portraits taken of your dogs. (laughs) They chose their own outfits for this. Graham walked out of the closet, tried on four different scarves, like, Daddy, does this make me look fat? Fig was in his like hipster phase at this point. He's moved out of that a little bit, thank goodness. Um, but before I had the doodles, um, I had these guys and my Great Danes. Anybody ever, ever have Great Danes? They're the most amazing dogs, right? They're gentle giants. They're absolutely great. And uh, I live very close to my office um, by design so that I could go home at lunch and see these guys. And that would help get me through the rest of my day. As they got older, though, it became less about their needs and, or less about my needs and more about their needs. Uh, and every once in a while, I would come in to the house, and they would have had an accident. And it's okay, you know? It's a pile. I get it. It's a Great Dane, so it's a little bit bigger. But you clean it up, go on about your day, and it's done. 
And it reminds me of what it's been like to get negative feedback in dental offices traditionally. As long as there have been dentists, dating back to Paul Revere and the barber surgeons of the 1700s, as long as there have been dentists, there's been people and patients pissed off at dentists. And how would they voice that displeasure in the past? They would corner you outside your operatory awkwardly. I just wanted to tell you that Lorene was rude to me on the phone. I thought you should know. Great. You clean up the pile. You move on. It sucks for two minutes, and then it's done, and you never have to deal with it again, right? So one day I come home for lunch, and I open the back door, and I'm immediately greeted by the um, odiferous sense that something's gone horribly wrong. And one of the Danes had an accident. No big deal, right? But it also happens that that was the day that the Roomba robot vacuum cleaner was automatically programmed to go off. Roomba, no! Stop! Come back! No, don't come back! Stay right where you are! Stop! Why doesn't Roomba have Siri? In other news, unrelated to that, I have a slightly used Roomba for sale, if anyone's interested. Comes from a non-smoking home, needs a little bit of a touch-up, but other than that, it's ready to roll. Um, That reminds me of what it's like to get negative feedback today. What was once a little pile that was easy to clean up is now spread all over the place, and we have a much bigger problem. This is something I have personal experience with. Um, I want you to uh, ignore Graham, uh, my uh, obviously spoiled golden doodle laying on a pile of toys bigger than he is. Ignore Graham and focus on what the red arrow is pointing towards. Does anybody know what that is? It's a spackled over hole in the wall that hasn't been painted. Hasn't been painted because I'm the king of starting household projects and then not finishing them. I am chip freaking gains on steps one through eight. And on steps 9 and 10, I turn into Polly Shore. I have zero follow-through. Whoa, buddy. But we're not here to talk about me and my shortcomings as a man. We're here to talk about that hole and how it got there. So one night, watching Sports Center at the end of a hard day, about to get ready for bed, and I get an alert on my phone from my Yelp for Business Owners app. And I pull it out, and I start reading it, and it's a bad review for me that you're going to see in just a second. And as I read through the first paragraph, my Apple watch vibrated, and I looked at it, and it said, are you working out? Your heart rate's 110. And as I read on through that review and read on, that heart rate got to 120, got to 130, got to 140. We're well in zone four of cardiovascular exercise here, people. Before I knew it, Nolan Ryan fastball right into the wall. I threw a temper tantrum. I'm a 40-year-old man. To quote Mike Gundy, I'm a man. I'm 40. And I threw a temper tantrum like a nine-year-old girl. Why? Because our first reaction to this is always anger. Never respond with anything until 24 to 48 hours and you've allowed to cool down. Relax. It'll be okay. It's not the end of the world. What will be the end of the world is if you respond when you're keyed up and when your heart rate's 140 and you say something you regret the next morning. 
Here's my review. Luke, you again? What the hell? He lives in San Francisco. He's never been to my office. I'm kidding. It wasn't Luke. Um, I'm going to read this aloud. Uh, Normally, I read a review in a voice that I imagine the person to have. But in this case, um, I know who this patient is. Her name's Kara. Um, So I'm going to do what I promise you is a very accurate impression of her. Okay? We're going to set the stage with a little mood music. There we go. You Gen Xers out there know what's up. You know what's up? Are in for life? Booked an appointment as a new patient after reading all the glowing reviews on hair. The reception staff and premises were welcoming. However, I had a pretty bad experience with a hygienist. After repeatedly wincing and telling her I had very sensitive teeth, she continued to dump ice-cold water, excruciating, all over them. Do you really think that my hygienist dumped ice-cold water all over this patient? Maybe it was ALS Ice Bucket Challenge Day and she didn't get the memo? Maybe my hygienist felt she wasn't being exactly honest on her medical and dental history and felt some enhanced interrogation techniques were needed to get the real truth for this country. But I think either way, we can agree that she set the stage with a lot of hyperbole here in the first part of her review. When she pushed the polisher hard on my gums and it started to hurt quite badly, I again told her it hurt and she actually was making it up, saying it's just the friction making it hot, it's not hurting you. I'm sorry, if something hurts, it hurts. And she's right. If something hurts, it does hurt. And I think we can all identify with the horrific damage that can be caused by a profi cup and profi paste. I mean, that stuff's a death trap. She repeatedly questioned me on whether I had fillings or sealants and clearly did not believe me that I had never had a cavity, just sealants. When she found a weak spot on one of my molars, she repeatedly pushed her dental toe into it, going, well, you have a cavity here. It's fine that I had developed a cavity, but there was no need for attitude or disbelief regarding my previous sealants and no excuse for repeatedly causing a patient unnecessary pain. So I pulled up her bite wings. And she's right. She's never had a cavity, just sealants. You know those amalgam sealants that we used to do all the time, right? (laughs) She's got nine amalgam sealants. Thank God for preventive dentistry, huh? I mean, I really admire her and her parents' uh, devotion to to, uh, preventative dentistry. Really great work. I get my teeth cleaned every six months, and this was by far the most painful cleaning ever. I was also informed I had a total of four cavities, which, considering I've never had a cavity in my life, was somewhat difficult to believe. At this point, I was pretty much their hostage. Hostage? I'm not reading anymore. Hostage! I don't remember Kevin Spacey, the negotiator, coming in to break up this hostage crisis. I don't remember the SWAT team rappelling through my operatory windows as I sit there in my operator stool stroking a hairless cat. You've stepped right into my trap, Mr. Bond. Hostage is the word she used. Cut to the end. So sorry to everyone who thinks this place is so great. Maybe if all these mishaps hadn't pulled up, I'd be happy with this practice. But I can guarantee right now, I won't be going back. I think the kids today say, bye, Felicia. (laughs) So I pulled up her uh, review history on Yelp. And sure enough, well, geez. 
it looks like maybe she's got some kind of allergy to leaving a good review, right? Do you remember how many stars she's gave me? Three. That's the highest review she's ever given. <laughs> Despite the waterboarding. Despite macerating her gingiva with the profi cup. Despite jamming an explorer into her gaping decay. Despite the hostage crisis. Yellow ribbon on my lapel for that one. Hashtag never forget. Hashtag San Antonio strong. Despite all of those things, that's the greatest consumer experience she's ever had. So what do you call someone who only leaves nasty reviews? Exactly. That's actually really close to her name. Very good. My mother would call her negative Nancy. Kanye would call her a hater. What do you do when you get a hater? You know the words. What do you do when you get a hater? You shake it off. Turn your attention to the positives and focus on getting more great reviews. That's the key to practice. Focus on the positives, which is really hard for a lot of us. This is my dad. And uh, thank goodness that the greats in our industry didn't have to deal with bad reviews. Can you imagine GV Black's response to a one-star Yelp review? (laughs) He cut away, like, all of my tooth and filled it with an ugly silver filling. Retention and resistance forms, you pretentious self-entitled harlot. (laughs) Dr. Wiedelstadt used this like crazy chisel on me. My chisel is most excellent, you hussy. (laughs) Same for my dad. I can't imagine how he would uh, deal with with a one-star review. Uh, my dad practiced for 25 years in Amarillo, Texas, uh, before he sold his practice to move to San Antonio uh, to teach at the dental school. I have some pictures of his practice. They're fun to look at. Um, this is his uh, office. Uh, five-doctor practice in the 70s was kind of revolutionary. Biggest uh, group practice uh, east of the, or west of the Mississippi. Um, here's the waiting room. Um, really just classic design. Um, classy. Modern, uh, it smells of oak and mahogany. Um, Here's the other side of the waiting room, ostensibly in another zip code because that waiting room is so big. This next picture is uh, my second favorite picture of the whole set. This is my dad's office manager, Georgia, who had that beehive haircut from 1958 until the day she died in 2001. She was the epitome of a sassy southern woman. That thing on the wall behind her, that was the height of dental technology in 1974. Does anybody know what that is? It's an intercom system to page. That was the prime scan and the prime mill of 1974. Absolutely amazing. Uh, This is the other office manager, Debbie. Um, You may say that Georgia is stuck in the 60s. This is 1974 in this picture. Debbie is ready for the 80s. She's got the... The, the, the haircut, the cutoff sleeves, she is ready for Whitesnake to pour some sugar on her on the hood of a Camaro, right, writhing around. T-tops off, baby. This is uh, my dad doing um, uh, exactly what I do in the laboratory. This is my impression of lab work. Um, apparently, it's genetic. Um, This is something I don't have in my office. A library? Does anybody know? That's not a computer in the back there. Does anybody know what that is? Microfiche. Because if you needed to look up RPD designs, there wasn't Google image search to help you out. 
you had to pull out the fish to do it. Uh, here's the staff break room. Again, timeless design. Um, I love the wallpaper. Nothing better than a really loud wallpaper in a small room and then putting a mirror in that room to make it feel like you're in a fun house while you're on your break at work. I also love what's on the table next to her. Does anybody see what that is? Yeah, man, I just finished this extraction. Let me go blow a marble in the break room. We'll be right back. Um, it was a different time. It was a better time, probably. Um, radiology room. Um, <laughs> I love the wallpaper here. Uh, I love the pano machine with the lap bar, like it's a roller coaster. Like, does the tube stay stationary and the chair move around? How does this work? Uh, here's one of the operatories. Uh, I love the positioning of the phone right by the patient's head. Great. Who is this phone for? Is it for the patient? Is it for my dad? Is he placing bets while he's packing that amalgam? What's happening? I also love the choice of red carpet. It's really great in an operatory because if you're extracting a tooth and you drop it on the floor, you just kick it off to the side. No harm done. Love the chocolate brown delivery system. Really good stuff. It comes in red, too. So your startup group, Ashley, if you're talking about design stuff, please let people know that this also comes in red. Now, I haven't seen the catalog for this equipment, but I'm quite sure that there's another color option not pictured here. Anybody want to guess what it might be from 1974? Avocado green, baby, but we can't put that on red carpet. This place is classy. (laughs) And here's my dad, uh, which is my favorite picture, because I really wish uh, I knew what someone said to him right before this picture got taken. (laughs) My only thing I can imagine is that he's just asking who the fuck picked red carpet, right? <laughs> I mean, I can't look at this picture without thinking of this. Does anybody remember this? Does it not make you think of that? Oh, the red carpet. Such a choice. Such a choice. Now, I don't know why you guys became a dentist, but for me, it was my dad. I know that many of, many of you in this room have parents who were also dentists. Alan, Mike, Aaron probably amongst a bunch of others. Um, And I think this is a common path of entry into the dental field. Um, And patients ask me all the time, apropos of nothing, was your dad a dentist? Which I actually kind of low-key find insulting um, because the way I translate that into my head is, why would you want to do this if you weren't pressured into it by a helicopter parent, right? Like, (laughs) I certainly wasn't pressured into this by my dad. um, But today it's clear to me, I became a dentist because I wanted his approval. I wanted to make my father happy. I wanted to hear he was proud of me. And I think we're all hardwired to hear that. I think it's something that we all want. Um, There's one problem with that. I'm never going to be able to get my dad's approval. Because my dad died when I was 10 years old. And I've been chasing a ghost for the last 30 years. In fact, I never even got a chance to tell him I wanted to be a dentist. Now, as an adult, I realize it seems crazy to try to seek the approval of someone who's not even here with us physically, right? It took me a long time to figure that out. There's always been an emptiness. And I've tried to fill that emptiness with a lot of things. Hookers, drugs, <laughs> base jumping, hella skiing. No, I'm kidding. Achievements. Achievements is what I've tried to fill that with. <laughs> this is serious, people. I've tried to fill it with achievements. Ever since I was 10, I've tried to do things that I thought would make my dad proud. I thought it would make me feel better. 
When I was in dental school, I ran for and became class president. Killing the game, son! Prom king, starting quarterback, dental school class president, every young boy's dream, right? I got picked to give a dental school speech at graduation like a G. Didn't make me feel any better. I even ran for the board of the Texas Dental Association because I once saw that my dad had a 25-year member pin which is crazy, because I won the election. And then I had to be on the board for three years, (laughs) going to 10 meetings a year. It was terrible. I didn't want to do that. Look at this picture. It is the least diverse group in the world. I'm like Benjamin Button down in the bottom left-hand corner, aging backwards. I'm the only one in this photo not on Medicare. In the meeting agenda at 10.30 a.m., it would say, take your Lipitor. I was like, bruh, I listened to Kanye on the way over here. What am I doing at this table? The thought process is crazy looking back on it. I mean, it would be like me finding a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader calendar that my dad owned and then trying out to become a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader and making it. I can't wear that outfit. Those boots don't look comfortable. I can't do those leg kicks. What am I doing? None of it ever filled the emptiness. None of it did. What I didn't realize is that I started to resent dentistry for not filling that emptiness, that it never could. I started to wear that resentment outwardly, and I didn't notice it. But my people around me could, and not just my team. We use this software to reactivate patients who have gone inactive. And one morning, I come to the office, and I get this email informing me of a patient's response to a reactivation attempt. Chris is seeking care with another dentist because, and I quote, Dr. Austin just seems so angry all the time. You mother... (laughs) This shocked me. I thought I was a great actor. I thought I was Daniel Day-Lewis putting on an Oscar-worthy show every day for my patients. And I thought they loved it, and I thought they loved me. It turns out I was wrong. They could sense it. They could tell. They could sense my unhappiness. I couldn't let that continue to happen. This helped me realize I needed to talk to someone. I needed to talk to someone professionally. And because of how I'm wired, the only place I knew to look for that help was on Yelp. (laughs) Makes sense, right? Best cheeseburger, go to Yelp. Best sushi, go to Yelp. Best mental health professional equipped with unique skills to help you with your relationships and keep you from jumping off your building every morning? Yelp, right? So I went to the two top-rated therapists in Yelp on San Antonio. And it turns out they're the top-rated therapists on Yelp because all they do is listen to you talk and never challenge you on anything. Same thing with Google. I went to the top-rated therapist on Google and had the same experience. Nothing was a good fit. In desperation, I checked out Tinder. Turns out it's a great place to meet people with mental health issues, just not mental health professionals. No, I didn't go to Grindr, okay? Just letting you know. But I did actually go to an app. An app that I use is called Talkspace. Um, You get paired with a therapist based on a questionnaire that you fill out. I can have a phone call with my therapist. 
I can have a FaceTime with my therapist, but most of the time we just text. It actually fits in my life much better. I don't have to cancel patients. I don't have to miss any patient time or leave the office. Um, and a lot of times, I'm going to be a lot more honest over text than I can in person. Um, let's give an example of how this has improved my life. So my therapist checked in on me one morning, and we had the following exchange. How are you feeling today? It's a tough day. Seems like I've been having a lot of issues getting my team on board with what I want them to do. Huh, that's interesting. Is there one team member that seems to be the problem? It's a good question. Let me think about that. You've mentioned your office manager before. Is it her? No, it's not her. Is it your dental assistant who has been calling in sick recently? No, she's been much better, actually. Someone I've never blamed anything for before. Who is that? I think the problem is me. And I'd be lying if I told you that wasn't hard to type. That is a great insight. Now we have some great work we can do. You've seen me show some examples this morning of maybe some of my anger issues, right? This isn't an instant cure. It's not like instantly this gets better. It's not like extracting an abscess tooth where there's immediate relief. It's a process. It's about progress, not perfection. Day by day, week by week, month by month, progress. So far, my team has noticed a difference. My friends have noticed a difference. um, And hopefully my patients notice it too. Am I saying that everyone needs therapy? No. Just all dentists need therapy. (laughs) But I do think everyone could benefit from an objective third party who listens to your complaints about your relationships and your life and helps you figure that out. It doesn't matter how you go to therapy. Just go. Find what works for you. It's like when dental school faculty says, always in a condescending tone, well, do what works in your hands, which is always really secret code for um, everyone else does it like this, but you suck, so go figure it out on your own, right? How many times have you been at a party or a happy hour and met someone new and told him you're a dentist, and what do they bring up to you? Is it true about the suicide thing? (laughs) Which again, to me, what I hear from the patient is, wow, your job sucks so much, you should just kill yourself, right? (laughs) That's what I hear when they ask that. And that's probably not what they mean, but that's what I hear. This job isn't easy. Patients don't want to be in our chairs. They don't want to pay anything because their insurance should cover all of it. They don't want to have any problems afterwards. And they want whatever we did to last forever. Doc, you just did that filling 14 years ago. And you're saying it needs a crown? Don't fillings last forever? Lady, you are 44 years old, and your breasts hang down pendulously towards your waistband. All you do is drink diet Red Bulls at your desk all day and sneak off to your Toyota Sequoia to get a suck off of your Jewel Vape. Mmm, mango-flavored. Nothing lasts forever, especially that resin that I did in the George W. Bush administration. (laughs) One day I heard that someone a couple years ahead of me in dental school had died by suicide. So I did some research on it, and I found this article on Vice. 
um, which, by the way, shouts to the graphic design team at Vice <laughs> for this illustration. First off, don't they know that no dentists wear a suit to the office? Can we just revise this with some fig scrubs, please? That's more appropriate, the, the jogger version. They've got to be tied on the ankles. Um, and there's actually some pretty interesting research in this article that I want to share with you. Um, the CDC says that dentists are two and a half times more likely to die via suicide than the general population. The Journal of Deviant Behavior, <laughs> which I didn't know about, but is now a must-read subscription placed. Seriously, I actually think every dentist should get the Journal of Deviant Behavior. It has to be more effective on our day-to-day life than the Journal of Prosthetic Dentistry. I swear to God. Being a dentist increased one's risk of suicide by 564%. According to the ADA, dentists are twice as likely to have depression, anxiety disorder, and panic attacks than the general population. Has anybody been to an ADA meeting recently? What kind of courses do you see? All on fours, veneers, full mouth rehabs, implant placement. Hell, a couple years ago, I saw a course at a big meeting for gold foil placement. Not only are we obsessed with minutia, we're obsessed with minutia that hasn't been done since Nixon was impeached. But will you find a single course on mental health? Can we please talk about this openly as a profession? Every once in a while, can we try to save our own lives instead of going to courses that sell us on the idea that we're saving a patient's life with a prophylaxis? Why does this happen? Why do dentists have some of these issues? Well, this study said that 90% of dentists are in musculoskeletal pain some or all of the time. That seems like it could be a problem. I hurt my back in December. I strained my lower back. I went to physical therapy. She recommended that I go to yoga, so I started going to yoga. And my first yoga class, I had one thought in my mind the entire class from start to finish. Please, God, don't fart. (laughs) And I made it. I made it through that class. And then I went to the second class. And I wasn't so lucky. (laughs) Bro, child's pose. If you don't know what child's pose is, don't Google it. Because you will get it on the Jeffrey Epstein list with the government. Do not Google child's pose. I'll explain it to you. It's like norovirus pose. It's all fours for my guys over here. Face down, ass up. Right? That's what child's pose is. How are you not supposed to blast? How is a man not supposed to blast in child's pose? So I figured out the keys. Bruz, if you go to yoga, there's this minute at the beginning where all the other weird people in the class do this. Um, that's where you unload the cartridge. <laughs> Empty the magazine right then and there. That is your moment to do it. Because when you get into child's pose, dude, I'll just, it's, it's tough, man. It is tough. According to the ADA, more than one-third of dentists are frequently or always worried. More than one-third of dentists are always or physically, emotionally exhausted. Yeah, that might be a problem. And that's self-reported. 
So the CDC has some risk factors for suicide. Let's look at them. History of mental disorders, particularly depression. For dentists, check. We already saw that subject, right? Feelings, or history of alcohol and substance abuse. Yeah, I feel like I've heard about that a few times in dentistry. Feelings of hopelessness. Yeah, remember the 34% of dentists who are always physically or emotionally exhausted? Isolation. I don't think they're talking about rubber dams. Physical illness. Remember 90% of the dentists that hurt all the time. And an unwillingness to talk about it because of stigma. But yeah, bro, let's take that Dick Tucker gold foil course, right? Because that's got to be more beneficial, huh? Best name in the history of dentistry, Dick Tucker. What pronoun do I use? (laughs) I wrote this article. It's the best thing I've ever written in my life. I'm the most proud of this article opposed to anything I've ever had published. And it was written for the dental hacks. It's called Porn for Your Practice. Make yourself miserable with social media. It's only fitting that the best thing I've ever written has the word porn in the title. (laughs) My mother is, like, ridiculously proud of me on this one. Um, Listen, I, I just think sometimes people say that social media helps with the isolation. Does it? Does it really? I posted this on Instagram because... My biggest issue with Instagram is it's everyone's highlight reel. And so every time you flick through it, I see something that looks better than what I can do. And every time that happens, you do a rep in your I'm not good enough muscle. And next thing you know, that I'm not good enough muscle is stronger than your I am good enough muscle. And that's when we get into problems. So I challenged some people to post failures I posted three crowns that I had that all broke within a three-month period, all five to seven years old, all coincidentally Emacs on number 14 for some reason. I don't know why. I guess I suck on the left, and I'm like average on the right. Guess how many other people posted a failure? Zero. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to not be perfect. Let's stop flexing that I'm not good enough muscle. Let's flex the it's going to be okay muscle. These are a couple of the apps that I use regularly. We talked about Talkspace earlier. Calm is a guided meditation app. Shout out to uh, Dawn Kulon Polish name for um, <laughs> her. Um, it's okay, my fiance's Polish, so I can make jokes about Polish people. It's actually the last minority group that you can make jokes about, actually, if you hadn't gotten the memo. Um, um, Don's podcast talks a lot about meditation, and I'm not good at it, so I need a guided meditation. And here's how I do it in my practice. We do our morning huddle every morning, um, which is generally a waste of time because all we do is read the schedule. <laughs> it's, like, it's like a hymn at church, right, where you're just like going through the motions. Mrs. Jones is scheduled for her profi exam and by weeks. Praise God. Like, it's a waste of fucking time, right? What are we doing? (laughs) So we finish the morning huddle. I go in my office. I close the door. I put in some earbuds, and I put on a sleep mask, and I do a 10-minute guided meditation. And it really does make a difference, and I challenge all of you to do the same thing. I actually do think it helps a lot. That's why the title of today is Shamford Psyche. I'm sure you saw that and wonder, like, 
did he hit a 50 milligram edible before he made that title? Right before Alan texted me, like, bro, that's who you're, my face is melting. Like, Shanford Psyche sounds great. Um, no, I didn't hit any edibles. Listen, we spend so much time in dentistry focused on minutia. We spend so much time refining our margins with a double red stripe diamond. We spend so much time polishing our anterior composites till we can see our double chins reflected back at us. If you just spend a portion of the time you spent refining your margins or polishing your, your composites on your own happiness and your own mental health, it would make a world of good. You'll be happier. Your team will be happier. Your patients will be happier. And your loved ones will be happier. Thank you guys so much. Be well. Dr. Joshua Austin, thank you so much. I'd like to thank Mike Detola for helping me on this. You're my brother. I love you forever. Thanks to the, uh, the guys at the Dental Hacks, Mark Costas, Justin Moody. You guys are great. Thank you so much.